Let, let me jump into this. I don't think I'll be able to get through everything today. We weren't able to do that in the first service because I just blew up. I just, I blew up. I mean, I was so passionate about what I was talking about, and I, I just, I, I, it's just real for me right now, and I, I really come with not a sermon. I come with, with really a passion. You know, I've been in, doing this for now 27, 28 years, and I'm more excited. I'm more excited about what God is doing in this moment than I've ever been in my whole life. I feel like, I feel like I'm almost being, I'm almost born again, again. I almost feel like I'm just getting saved all over again. And my expectation and belief for what God is getting ready to do in your life, our lives together is just, it's really, it's at a high level. God's been doing some things in me for the last month. And I'm trying to convey that and communicate that. Communicate that. And I believe it's going to be a blessing to you. I believe that 2020 is to be a year of greater things. Um, I believe that this new decade, I don't know if you realize, but we've, we've entered a new decade. You know, uh, uh, most people only see seven or eight decades. So, so there's something significant about a decade. I not only believe that this is a year for greater things, I believe that this is a decade of greater things. I'm here again, once again, to, to, to call us to a greater things kind of life, for, for us to believe God for greater things, for us to pray for greater things, for us to dream about greater things. We, we, we get this understanding when Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's getting ready to end his earthly ministry, getting ready to go to the cross. And he comes to his disciples, and this is what he says in John 14, 12. He says, I tell you the truth. I like that because... Because, because Jesus has to preference what he's getting ready to say, like, hey, guys, I'm getting ready to tell you something so crazy that you're going to have a tendency not to believe it. You're going to think I'm lying, but I'm not lying. I'm, I'm Jesus. He says this. He said, the person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. What? I mean, that's crazy. Jesus is saying, for, for the Christ follower... I mean, this is the Jesus that healed the sick. He was the one that opened blind eyes. He was the one that caused the lame to walk, and, the, and, and he raised uh, dead people back to life. And he said, hey, that, that's just going to be a regular occurrence for my followers. But he doesn't stop there. He even takes it to a whole nother level, and he says, and even greater things, because I'll return to be with the Father greater things. Jesus says, hey, I'm getting ready to get out of here, getting ready to go back to heaven, but the marching orders for my church is, is that you would experience the greater things of God. And there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of speculation and a lot of, um, a lot of things that people try to define that to be, but I believe in Ephesians, and this is reviewed just to stir up this thought and this revelation, this understanding in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, I, I believe Greater things are defined right here. It says, now to him, God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Abundantly above, abundantly above. Uh, some translation says beyond all that we could ask or, 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 or imagine. God is saying there is a life, catch this, that is beyond yourself. 
that, that there is a life beyond what you could ask for. There is a life beyond what you could, you could ever imagine in your life. It, it's, it's called a greater things kind of life. And, and, and I think we need to be cautious about defining what greater things is all about. We, we know it should be healing the sick, and we know it should be opening the blind eyes, and we know it should be causing the lame to walk and, and people being touched by God. We, 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 it should be the supernatural acts of God. But, but, but I believe it's more, more than that. I believe it's beyond. I, I, you haven't even asked for it. You can't, because once you ask for it, God says, I can do more. You haven't even imagined it. And the moment you imagine it, God says, ah, I can do more. And, and I believe this year, I believe this decade, I believe this month, I believe possibly today, that all of a sudden you're just doing life, and all of a sudden you're just going to bump into it, and you're going to say, uh-oh, greater things. It was an impossibility. I knew, I, knew, I knew for a fact my marriage could never be restored, but all of a sudden God got involved, and it became a greater thing in your life. Could anybody use any restoration? I believe parents who have given up on their children, children who are, have been addicted and, and messed up and not serving God, and it looks like an impossibility, but I'm saying to somebody today that this could be your day. This could be your month. This could be your year. Where all of a sudden, it just blows your mind. God goes beyond your imagination, and you look at a child, at a son and a daughter that's been restored, and all you can say is, ah, greater things. Some of you that have been struggling with lack and poverty and shortage, you seem like you never could get the right job and a good job, and it just seems like you're always failing in the area of money, and you're so beat down that you can't even dream anymore, but all of a sudden, the provider shows up in your life, and all of a sudden, you step into abundance, and you step into increase, and you step into provision, and all of a sudden, there's just nothing else to say, but you say, hey, greater things have showed up in my house. I really believe that we're stepping in to a life of greater things. Last week, we talked about the importance of God opening our eyes if we're going to see greater things. I would encourage you, if you was not here, to, to download that podcast and listen to that. But today, I want to talk about something so simple, but so very, very important. If you're going to experience the greater things of God in your life. So here, here's the big idea today. It actually is a Bible principle. Here it is. God's involvement in your life, God's participation in your life is a direct result of your response to him and your expectation and desire for him. Now, that's a mouthful, but I'm here to tell you uh, the church needs to understand this truth. I want to read it again so we get it. God's involvement in your life, God's participation in your life is a direct result of your response to him and your ex expectation and desire for him. It's important for you to understand that, 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 that need alone does not obligate God. Just because you have a financial need, just because you have a, a relational need, just because you have a physical need does not obligate God. 
This might come as a shock for you, but it'll, it'll, it'll help your theology, your understanding, so you won't get frustrated. But God is not moved by need. You, you need to catch that. You need to understand. There's so many frustrated believers, Christ followers, they're so frustrated because they don't think God's doing what he should be doing because they think God is moved by need. But the Bible teaches us that God is not moved by need. You need to hear that. God does not respond to need. Come on, I'm going to help you. If God responded to need, we'd have no need in this building. So we know that's not the way God rolls. Right? It's very obvious. Listen, God is, God is moved by your response to him. God is, is moved by your faith in him. You go, you go read it every time. According to your faith. According to your faith. It was people's response to God that brought God into the situation of their life. God is, not, God, God is moved by your desire for him. God is moved by your passion towards him. God is moved by your hunger that chases after him. He's not moved by need, but he is moved by your passion. He's not moved by need, but he is moved by your desire. He's not moved because your life's jacked up. He is moved because your faith and your expectation that God can fix it. We see, this kind of, we see this kind of necessary response in this story. Let me show you. I'm going to just show you a few stories, and we'll be done and on our way to, to, to watch them lose. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 4. How many of you? How many of you? We laid the foundation. How many of you understand it? We're, we're all on the same page. God, my response to God is going to determine God's involvement in my life. Okay. Look at this. In verse 8, one day Elisha went to Shunem, where an important woman lived. She asked Elisha to stop and eat at her house. So every time Elisha went through that place, he stopped there to eat. The woman said to her husband, look, I can see that Elisha is a holy man of God. He passes by our house all the time. Catch that out. Catch that. He passes by our house all the time. Please, let's make a little room for him. Let's put a bed in the room and a table and a chair and a lampstand. And then when he comes to our house, he can have this room for himself. So here is this woman, and she tells her, her husband, I've noticed this, this man of God, he's, he just passes by our house. He's doing it all the time. In fact, they said it was a daily activity. And Elisha, in the Bible, if you know anything about Elisha that was passing by her house, he's, he, he was really used by God in a very powerful way. He, he was used by God to speak God's word. He was used by God to speak God's promises. He was used by God to demonstrate his power, to work supernatural miracles. Uh, Elisha was, was, was a spiritual son of Elijah. Elisha uh, uh, had a double portion. The Bible said a double portion of God's spirit upon him. He did twice as many miracles as the prophet Elijah. This man was, 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 a, was, 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 a, was radical. He was amazing. God used him incredibly. And so this woman tells her husband, let's, let's add on a room to our house. I, I don't want this man of God to just pass us by. We, 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 we need what is passing by our lives to benefit our lives. And she's saying, I, I want to make room for God. I want to make room for his, his power in my life. I want to make room for God's greater things in my life. I want to make room 
for what is available. I, I, here's what she's saying. I want to respond to what God is doing in that man of God. And so they end up, the Bible says, they end up building a room, and the Bible says the man of God would come there and not pass by, but now he would come and stay. So catch this. When they made room, then the Word of God stayed there. When they made room, then the power of God would stay in their home. When they made room, then the miracles of God would stay there. And it all happened, it all happened because they made room for God. If you think about it, this, this, this wasn't convenient for them. I don't have time to go into it, but there was actually a famine in their land. This was not convenient to take of their, their, their and to have to prioritize their life where they would have to take now their time and their, their talent and their treasure, but, but they did it. They took their time. And they took their talents and their gifts and their abilities, and they took their money and their resources, and they built a house for God. I want you to hear today. This is my prayer. This is my desire for you, is that you would not be content with God passing you by. We, we need more than just a pass by Jesus. We, we need more than just a drive-through Jesus. We need more than just a Sunday, a Sunday Jesus. Listen. You can't afford to let God's provision and God's power and God's help to just pass your life by. When it comes to your life, are you just sitting by? Are you just standing by watching God pass you by? Because it's not your, it's not your need that's going to attract him. It's not your problem that's going to attract him. Come on, you're going to have to make room for him. You're going to have to be, this, you're going to, have to be passionate. You're going, to, you're going to have to want to make room for God in your life. So when it comes to your life, I guess the question is this. Are you making room for God in your life? Are you giving God your time? Does God have the best part of your time? Are you giving God your abilities and your talent? Are you giving God your treasure? Does, does he get the best of your ability? Does he get the best of your talent? Does he get the best of your resources? Are you making room with who you are for the things of God in your life? Or, or let me say it like this. Are you responding to what's passing you by? Are you responding to God? My concern for this generation is that we're, we're so busy with life and stuff that really, at the end of the day, is not going to matter when you stand before God. So distracted with things that can't help us that we don't even see the opportunity that is passing us by. You know, when you get to heaven um, and stand before God, I, I, don't, I don't think you're going to think to yourself, man, I should have spent more time playing on my phone. When, when you're in heaven and you're standing before God, I don't think you're going to think to yourself, man, I wish I would have spent more time on social media. I wish I would have did more time, spent more time, you know, posting on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, wow, I should have spent more time watching television, more time renting movies, binging on Netflix. That's, that's what I should have done with my time. I don't think you're going to get to heaven and think that way. You're not going to get to heaven and think, hey, man, I wish I would have spent more time, you know, working my career, working my job. 
more time on my hobbies, more time running my kids around, more time cheering on my losing football team. Come on, I'm just trying to help you swallow this pill right now because we're in deep cotton right now. I'm messing with you. Why? Because I don't want God to pass you by. I don't want you to be confused to think just because you have a need and just because you have an issue and just because you have a problem that God's going to come to your house. You've got to make room for God. Does God have the best of your time? Does God have the best of your talent and your giftings and ability? Does God have the best of your resources? Are you making room for what is passing you Bye. Wow. Just trying to tell somebody today the things of God. This is where a lot of people don't understand. A lot of church going people don't understand. They're going to keep passing you by. If you don't respond to them, they're going to keep passing you by. If you're not hungry for them, they're going to keep passing you by. If you're not interested in them, it's your, it's your cry of faith. It's your cry of expectation. It's your cry of passion. It's your cry of desire. It's your cry of hunger that will stop God from passing you by. Were you the kind of guy or gal all ago who say, hey, we're going we're gonna to fast on Wednesdays and we're going to pray? And you go, oh, crud. Really? Or, or, or when we challenge, hey, hey let's get together and let's, let's go after God. So many people are looking for the convenient. So many people are looking for the easy. So many people are not investing themselves with their passion, their desire to make room for God. And this pattern is all through scriptures, through so many stories. In Luke chapter 18, there's a story about a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus who wants to see again. He has a need, but his need does not qualify himself for God to come into his life. So many of us are confused in this. The Bible says in Luke chapter 18, verse 36, it says, when he heard the crowd going by, he cried. This is Bartimaeus. He tried to find out what was happening, and the people told him that Jesus from Nazareth was passing by. Catch that. Jesus was, Jesus was going somewhere else, but he's passing by this blind man who wants to see again. So Barnabas is told that Jesus is passing by, but instead of sitting by, standing by, watching Jesus pass by, notice verse 38. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then those who went before him warned him. These were the, these were the, the regular church-going people. Don't be messing up our church services. Don't, don't be getting loud. And, and the Bible says they warned him that he should be quiet. But alike blind Bart, he, he cried out all. He cried out all, Jesus! Jesus, have mercy on me. I need my eyes back. The Bible continues to go. Jesus stood still. Jesus was not planning on standing still. Jesus was passing by. It wasn't the need that stopped Jesus. It was the cry. It was the passion. It was the desire. It was the hunger. It was the people showing up on a Wednesday night saying, God, I'm more hungry for you than anything. i got to have greater things in my I'm, I'm preaching. Somebody needs to help me. God's not moved by your need. 
Come on. God is attracted to your desire. God is attracted to your passion. God is attracted to your cry of faith. And the Bible says that Jesus stood still. Wow. And commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, and immediately he received his sight. Notice that once they tried to quiet him, when they try to tell him and convince him that all this passion, all this desire, all this faithfulness, all this commitment, all this giving, hear me? That's really not necessary. They, they try to convince him. That's not necessary. Bart just got louder. Come on, somebody. The Bible says he cried out even the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. In other words, he, this is cheesy. This is cheesy. I'm getting ready to give you a cheesy preacher joke. Are, are you with me? But, but you're going to remember. He cried out all the more. And, and the Bible says he got louder and louder. So in other words, he got a miracle for crying out loud. That's cheesy. But somebody needs to lean over to their neighbor and say, hey, you can get a miracle for crying out loud. You can get a miracle for your desire. You can get a miracle for your passion. Come on. You can get a miracle for your hunger. You can get a miracle. Does anybody need a miracle? It was his hunger. It was his desire. Oh, you got to see it was his passion. It wasn't his need. And we keep wondering, why isn't Jesus coming to my house. Why isn't Jesus fixing my issues in my life? Because he only, he only comes to where he's desired. He, resp he responds to your response. I'm here to tell somebody, you can get a miracle today. You might just be one shout away, one praise away, one step of faith away from a miracle with God. Don't miss this. Jesus was going somewhere else. Jesus was passing by. He was, he was, he was going. He wasn't going to stop. He had no intentions on stopping. He wasn't going to go heal his eyes. But the Bible says that Jesus stood still. It's a man's cry of desire. It's a man cry, my man's cry of passion. It's his cry of faith for Jesus' help that stopped Jesus from passing him by. It wasn't the need to stop God. It was Bart's response to God to stop God. I'm here to tell you today, your cry of faith, your cry of passion, your cry of desire to stop your God right in the middle of your crisis. Ask the worship team to come back. I've got a couple stories. There's no way we're going to get through them all. I've got to get you to hear it today. Is it really necessary? We have passion for the things of God, that we have desire for the things of God, that we, that, we, that we give our lives to the thing of God. I'm here to tell you, it's your response to God that enables God to move in your life. In Mark chapter 6, the Bible says that the disciples got in a boat, and while they were crossing the Sea of Galilee, a great storm 
arose. And the Bible says that although they couldn't see Jesus, because Jesus was on the land, the Bible says that Jesus could see them. Here's the disciples. They're in the Sea of Galilee. They're, they're, the Bible says they are fearful for their, they think they're going to die. And they're rowing and they're straining and they think they're going to drown. And the Bible says they can't see Jesus, but Jesus is on the shore and Jesus can see them in the storm. And this is what somebody needs to hear today. When you can't see Jesus because of the storm, you need to understand that Jesus can still see you. Have, have you ever, ever needed to see him, but because there is so much going on in your life, you can't see him? I'm here to tell you today that in that crisis, in that difficulty, in that problem, in your situation, God sees you. You're never in a valley so deep that God doesn't see you. You're never in a trial so great that God doesn't see you. Listen, some of you are completely overwhelmed with life storm, life storm right now. You're overwhelmed by the report of the doctors. You're overwhelmed by the pain in your life. But I got to tell somebody before we go on, Jesus has his eyes on you, you might not be able to see him, but he can see. He can see you. So here's the disciples. They're in the middle of the sea. And they're struggling, and they're trying to get to shore, and, and they're in fear for their lives. And the Bible says, here, here comes Jesus. It looks like he's going to fix it because they got a problem. Looks like he's responding to their need. Remember, he was on the shore, and here he comes walking on the water. He's walking on what they're struggling with. He's walking on what they're fearful of. He's walking on what they are concerned about, which just tells us that God's not intimidated with your issues. Come on, God's not freaking out over your, your problem. He, 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 he masters your issues. He, he, he walks upon your situations. But here's what I got to get you to see. They think they're ready to die, and all of a sudden... Thank God Jesus is coming, Mark 6. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch, 3 o'clock in the morning of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. What? God, they're, they're drowning. They're, they're about ready to lose their lives. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out. They're freaking out, and now they're crying out. Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I'm here. And then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped. I'm trying to teach you, just because you have a need, just because you have a problem, just because you have an issue, doesn't mean God's going to fix it. God's not responding to need. He's responding to your response. He's responding to your desire. He's, re he's responding to your hunger. You think you would get it by now. You think you'd get more excited. Can, can I just help you? Can, can I just help you? The most important thing that's going on in this building right now is not my preaching. You know what's more important than my preaching right now? Although I've spent all week 
I have sought God practically up all night last night. He said, God, give me a word. I have, I have, I have been focused on this moment, and it is important. But do you know what I'm doing right now is not the most important thing. What is more important than me preaching the word is your response to the word. Because if you don't respond to what you're hearing, it'll never work in your life. You've got to mix faith with it. You've got to believe it. You've got to put expectation on it. You've got to get excited. You've got to have passion and say, God, that's my word. Somebody shout yes. This is absolutely amazing to me. Jesus would have passed him by. Wow. Please hear it. Your need does not obligate God, and this is going to help you from getting frustrated with God. Jesus didn't stop because of the danger. He didn't stop because of the crisis. He didn't stop because of the problem. He didn't stop because of the need. He didn't stop because of your financial issue. He didn't stop because of your relational issue. He didn't stop because of your physical issue. The reason why Jesus stopped is they cried out for the help of God. Is anybody ready to cry out for the help of God? Pastor, is it really necessary for me to be here Wednesday? Yes, it's our opportunity to go after God, to cry after God. It's our opportunity to reach. This is what we're doing here this morning. Why is church attendance so important? Because it's our, it's our way of responding to God. Come on, come on, I'm here to tell you. Uh, you'll get it this way. Here, here's how you'll get it. What, what, what happened once Jesus got in the boat? The wind, what happened to the wind? So, so they cry out, and Jesus, instead of going wherever he was going, I don't know what he's doing, but he wasn't going there. He was going wherever, walking on water. He now gets in the boat, and the Bible says immediately the problem stopped. Immediately the wind the winds. I wonder in this moment as we're responding to God with holy desire, with passion, come on, with expectation. I wonder in this moment as we're responding to God with faith, I wonder wouldn't it be something for you to leave, to leave out of this building today and say, what in the world happened to my struggle? Somebody shouted, Stop. What in the world happened to my problem? Somebody shouted, stop. What in the world happened to that disease? Somebody shout, it's stop. You're not loud enough. I'm not letting you out until you get this. What in the world happened to my marriage? Got healed. Got restored. Come on, stay, stay with me. Come on, stay with me. Thank God it didn't stop. What in the world happened to my finances? I got increased. I got blessed. I got promoted. Got the dream job. I always, it, it, Jesus, got, Jesus was going to pass me by, but I made room. I cried out. I got passed. I got excited. Does it require all this? Yes, it requires all of this. Now, now, you might not be crazy like me. But don't you dare leave this place and show more excitement over your football team that did not die for you, that did not save you, that's not looking to help you. Remember, sir, ma'am, they're making the money and you're not. 
Guy says, well, that's just not my personality, but you'll go to a football game, take your shirt off with your beer belly and paint it. Because you're excited. And then when your team loses, what happens? You go, what the heck? Am I wasting all my time for that? Come on, I got, I got something better for you. It's a cry of faith. It's a cry of passion. It's taking your time, your talent, your ability. Come on, it's taking who you are and making a room. Come on, somebody needs to get committed to making a room for God. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.